Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Richard Martin. He's the founder and president of Alcera Consulting. He's a consultant, a speaker, and an executive coach. Rich brings military and business leadership and management expert experience to bear for executives and organizations that like to exploit change, maximize opportunity, and minimize risk. And Rich is the author of the recently published book, Brilliant Maneuvers, How to Use Military Wisdom to Win Business Battles. Thank you for joining us, Rich. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Well, you know, and and I want to talk a little, because your book is about military wisdom, and I know you come from a background that you have military training. Tell us, uh, sometimes you use these military uh, metaphors. From a marketing perspective, why is it important to have an offensive mindset? Why is it important to have an offensive mindset? Well, simply because if you stay too much on the defensive, you're going to get taken, you're going to get overtaken. People will... uh, uh, sort of like uh, if you can imagine uh, being in a fort or a fortress or a castle, people will just go around you, and uh, next thing you know, they'll be behind you, and uh, they will have taken away the most, uh, the best markets. So you have to stay on the move, and you have to stay on the offensive and be aggressive. Great. So that's good to know. So we need to be aggressive. We can't wait for the enemy, so to speak, to come around behind us and, and take us by surprise. Yeah, and especially if you've already got a lead in some in some respect, because then people are gunning for you. It's, it's even harder in that case, and that's where leadership comes into play. Okay. Now tell us about selecting and, and maintaining an aim, a, a correct aim. How important is that in military strategy and in business strategy? Well, I think it's critical in both areas. In military strategy, uh, one of the reasons uh, it's, a, it's a key principle of war, it's probably the most important principle of war, is because you have to know what it is you're trying to achieve. And when you lose sight of that fact, that's where you get into trouble. So if you think of, for instance, uh, say the Second World War, where uh, the key driving force, the key objective was to defeat Germany first. And that's what drove all the decision-making. So uh, the Allies had to focus on that. So that gave the priority to everything. It's the same thing in business. You have to know what your objective is and what you're trying to achieve, and then when everybody is clear on that, they can put their efforts towards achieving that aim. Excellent, excellent. So, so we, even though there may be other kind of battles that kind of come along as we go through this, we keep our, our sights firmly set on what the main target is. Yes, for instance, if you've got a if you've identified a key market that you're trying to penetrate or that you want to dominate, uh there's always going to be opportunities that are going to crop up, but you have to stay focused on what the most important thing is for you. And you can't get you can't get sidetracked. For instance, I've got a client right now, this is one of the issues he continually faces. He gets sidetracked. As often happens with entrepreneurs, they like to start things but sometimes they have a hard time finishing them or following right. through. So it's important that I get him to focus on that aim, identify that aim, make sure everybody knows what it is, and then he's got to stay focused on it too because it's easy to get off track. Okay. That's, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now you talk about something called mission command. What is mission command, and how is that important to us in the business world? 
Well, mission command is basically in the, the the simplest expression of that is you tell people what you want them to achieve as an outcome, and you let them figure out the best way to achieve that outcome. So in business, it's uh, it's the same thing. You you can tell people, look, I want to uh, I want us to uh, achieve a certain level of sales or a certain uh, a certain proportion of market share in the Northeast by the end of the year, and I'm within certain number of constraints. I'm going to let you people figure out the best way to do that. Ah, so, all right. So we're tell- we're giving people the the goal, but we're not necessarily commanding them in every detail of how they go about it. And exactly, because uh, now sometimes you have to get into micromanagement, especially if it's a if it's a, you know really an important uh, strategic objective. But the the, uh, the beauty of this approach is there's a couple of advantages. The three main advantages, though, are first of all you're using people's initiative, and that and that's very motivating for people. So when they know what the objective is, and uh, they know that they've got the freedom uh, to achieve that objective in the in the best way they they can think of, they can work together. They can use their initiative, their creativity. So it's very motivating, especially from the standpoint of intrinsic motivation. The second reason is that you get many more people's understanding of what it is you want to do. So you can create a synergistic effect, and especially if you've got a very diverse team, you'll have a greater variety of possible solutions to achieve that aim. So that's going to give you a lot more flexibility and a lot more agility when facing the competition. And finally, uh, the, the third reason is that no plan survives, as you know, as we used to say in the Army, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Mm. So there's always things that are going to happen that are going to make you get off track. And that, that's where you see where selection and maintenance of the aim is so important. People, if they understand the aim and they have the freedom of maneuver to take different approaches when the situation changes and as it evolves, so whether the competition is doing something or whether suppliers can't supply what needs to be supplied or whatever, then people can t- use their initiative and creativity to get around those obstacles and still aim for the objective. So we're, we're really focused on, on what we want to accomplish and less about exactly how we get there, but you're giving the freedom to your team to say as long as we, we keep the goal in mind and we know what it is we want to accomplish in this battle, Go go at it and, and use your own skills and, and capabilities to get there the best way. Exactly. That makes sense. That makes sense. So you talk a lot about maneuvers. Your book is about brilliant maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Tell me about why maneuvers are so important and, and what you mean by the word maneuver, because I think there's different ways that we use that in different contexts. Well, in, in a military context, and I think this carries over very well to business, a maneuver is anything you try to do that uses your strengths against your opponent's weaknesses or that puts you in a position of strength or that creates, uh, maximizes the conditions or the likelihood of success for you. So um, just like with, for instance, in chess, the ultimate maneuver is to, is to be able to get uh, somebody into a position where they can't, no matter what they do, they're going to be checkmated. Right. So it's the same situation with, uh, with warfare and with military maneuvers, and I think this carries over very well to business. So you have to work to your strengths, create conditions for success, and that's what maneuvering is about. Got it, got it. You also talk about um, 
you know, advancing on a wide front, following the path of least resistance. And that makes sense from a military perspective. How does that relate to us in business and marketing? Well, advancing on a wide front is when you don't know, in military terms, when you don't know exactly where the enemy is, you have to sort of probe uh, along the whole front and, and sending, send out small reconnaissance parties, scouting parties, to find the weaknesses in the enemy's defenses. And then when you find those, you can create a gap and then reinforce that, that force and then widen that gap and then pour through the enemy's defenses, working around their, their strongest positions. So you're using your strengths against their weaknesses. Right. And in business terms, um, what I find is we can't, despite what a lot of people say, is we can't really predict what's going to happen and what's going to work best. So we can have a very you know, general idea of what we're trying to achieve. Uh, say we want to expand in the Northeast, uh, in New England, and we don't know exactly which city is going to be or which local market is going to be most successful and most responsive to our advances. So what we might do is try four, five, or six experiments local in local uh, markets and reinforce whichever one is most successful and then build on that success and work out from there. So what you're trying to do is, by advancing on a wide front, is really you're experimenting. You're using trial and error in a very disciplined manner and then reassigning resources and effort as you have success on the business battlefield. And that makes sense as well. And, and as you know, I mean, we never have enough resources. I mean, no matter how much I don't care if you're a, a, a large multinational Fortune 500 company, we still don't have enough resources. So exactly. how, do, how do these kind of uh, uh, strategies work in terms of helping us to, to deal with the fact that there are never enough resources? Well, what you, you know, there's two main principles. Uh, there's something called principles of war, which are ways of thinking about strategy and tactics and things like that. And these carry over very well. We've already mentioned uh, two of them, uh, to have an offensive mindset, and another one, selection and maintenance of the aim. Well, two others are the, they're really two sides of the same coin, mass and economy. So, and this works well with advancing on a wide front. So what you're trying to do is, is economize by uh, trying di different things, you know, putting, uh, keeping your risk uh, under control, advancing on a wide front, and then when you see you're successful, then you pour resources into those successful uh -huh. market incursions. So it's, and by the same token, you might have a business line that you want to uh, harvest, that you want to just draw off cash flow from in order to invest in another part of the business that's growing. So you might give direction to that business line head to say, your job is just to generate cash flow. I don't want you trying to expand. I don't want you trying to introduce new product categories because we need that cash flow for this other business line that has greater potential and that is growing. So what you need to be able to do is shift resources uh, laterally, if we could put it that way, from declining business areas to growing business areas. So that would be an example of mass and economy. And that's how you deal with the limited resources Right, so we're, using, we're, we're kind of uh, in real time, in a sense, assessing the information that comes in and saying we've learned something about this. We're, we're putting our feelers out. We're probing, as you said. We're learning about the market. We're learning about our customers. And when we find an area that's, 
in military terms, I guess, would be an area of weakness, but certainly from a, a market perspective, an area that we want to explore, really exploit in terms of developing our, our own um, stronghold there, we say that's where we're going to invest our resources. Exactly. As opposed to just blanketing everything. Exactly. Yeah, too many people just want to go in with the foot soldiers on, on every continent, so to speak. Well, you know, I mean, it, it depends what you're trying to do and what your objectives are, and that's why it always carries back to the to the prior objectives, uh, to the objectives that you set. And one of the examples I give in the book uh, is about the TD Bank, uh, Toronto Dominion Bank, which mm-hmm. is now I think they're the tenth largest bank uh, in North in the United States. But they started very small by expanding in the in the late 90s, early 2000s, in the Northeast, in New England. They started in Maine with very small community banks, and then they worked outward from there. So they were able to to economize and then to learn as they were going along. So it, it's almost like a bridgehead. You know, like when the, the Allies did the Normandy landings, uh, they they set up a first bridgehead, and then they expanded from there. They didn't try to take over all of Western Europe in one fell swoop. Right. which would have been impossible in any case. And and that's what I think the the biggest lesson to learn is like like we used to say in the infantry always keep one foot on the ground. So if you're if you're advancing or you're making a move, you want to cover your move. You want to have troops on the ground that are, you know, they've got their guns and they're willing and they're, you know, covering your moves so that you're more secure. It's the same principle here. Move from what sense. you know to what you don't know and learn along the way. Learn along the way and, and take that learning and apply it, which a lot of organizations don't do. They they learn the same lesson multiple times, unfortunately. Yeah, Yeah. well, there's turnover, and the, but you have to – you're quite right. And the military has done this very well. Is They've got a whole lessons learned process, an after-action review process, because the cost of not doing things right and not con- uh, not learning continuously is you lose soldiers. I mean, people get killed and you don't achieve the mission. So you can carry over the same principles of after-action review and lessons learned to business situations. Absolutely. So let me ask you one final question uh, about this kind of thing. And let's talk about morale. Uh, Morale? That's something that whether you're in a military setting or in a business setting, how do you keep the team motivated? How do you keep them, uh, you know, keep morale up in the organization and and moving forward? What, What have you learned from the military environment there? Well, the, there's three key things. Um, the first one is that people have to have a common goal, and they have to believe in that goal. They have to have faith in that goal, and they have to have faith in the leaders that are leading them towards that goal, that they will support them and provide them with the resources they need. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is that you have to have ethical leadership, and uh, there's nothing that undermines morale more quickly or quicker than leaders who say one thing and do another. So you have to have congruence between the leadership's actions and their words. And these have to be congruent with the objectives of the organization that everybody's, you know, believing in and is motivated to achieve. And then the final aspect is that uh, the leaders have to take care of their followers. They have to take care care for the people in under their command or under their leadership. So uh, it, it's sort of like an extension of of the, the ethical leadership and leading by example. So leaders have to be aware that you know uh, 
employees need direction, they need support, they need the tools to do their job, they need the training and skills to do their job, they need the resources, but they also need, uh, need to know that the people who are leading them actually care for them, that they're not just numbers and interchangeable resources that can be laid off at a whim or that can be fired at a whim or, or whatever else. Got it. That makes sense. So they need to know that and they need to feel comfortable uh, with, with the leaders that are that are uh, are leading them. So yeah, and when you've got those three elements, people will put up with a lot of hardship in order to achieve the aim. But you've got to have those three elements. You've got to have it absolutely. And and we hear time and time again that people don't leave companies; they leave managers. They leave for a lack of leadership. Uh, yeah, so or poor leadership point. or lack of respect. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So finally, I want to ask you: you've you've put together ten traits to um, to be an effective leader. And we don't have time to go through them all, but can you share perhaps one or two of them with us and then tell us where we could find the rest of the whole list of ten? Sure. Uh, I would say the two most important, given what we've just spoken, uh, chatted about, is to lead by example. They're, these are the ten leadership principles of the Canadian Army. But, you know, most armies and most military forces have very similar lists. So, the, you know, one of the most important ones is lead by example. So do... Uh, do as I say and not as I do is not a good way to lead. Yeah. And that ties back into the ethical leadership that I was talking about under morale. And the, and the, the other critical uh, leadership principle or leadership trait is to make sure that your followers know your meaning intent and intent and then lead them to accomplish the mission according to that meaning and intent. So that comes back to mission command. Mission command is the instantiation, is the practice of making sure your followers know your meaning and intent and that they can actually achieve that aim. Uh, as for the, the ten, uh, those 10 leadership principles or traits, uh, I've got a list of them, and I, they're also described one by one on my blog. I did this last year in early in February 2012, but if you go to my blog, which is exploitingchange.com, which is all one word, exploitingchange.com, and then just in the uh, search uh, box, put in, uh, let's see, it's Brilliant Leadership Principles, and then you should get the, uh, the full list of 10 leadership principles. Okay, and so they're also described in the last chapter of my book. So the whole chapter uh, 10 of my book, Brilliant Maneuvers, is about leadership and about these 10 principles. That's great. And just to repeat, it's exploitingchange.com. Yes. And look in February 2012 for Brilliant Leadership Principles. Correct. Excellent. Well, this has been wonderful, and it's, it's fascinating because I think so many of us, we hear military analogies, but we don't necessarily think about how to apply uh, the lessons that uh, the military has for us within the business world. So I think that's, uh, it's been quite uh, valuable to learn some of these things and see how we can, we can start thinking a little bit more effectively, uh, even when we're not leading military campaigns, we're leading marketing campaigns. Correct. That's right. Well, thank you, Rich. I appreciate your being here with us today. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Linda, and uh, I hope uh, your readers, I just wanted to add that if they want to get this kind of information on a regular basis, if they go to my website, and select the, uh, my website is alcera.ca, A L C E R A dot C A, and they select the book page or just go brilliantmaneuvers.com. The, that'll bring them to my book page and they can sign up for my weekly Monday morning brilliant maneuvers. Absolutely. Very short uh, and pithy statement about uh, how to apply these brilliant maneuvers to, uh, to achieve your business success. 
Terrific. Thank you, Rich. This is Linda Popke. Until the next time, uh, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.